0: This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor.
2: Welcome back to the second hour of turning hard times into good times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I want to thank our sponsors for the second hour for making this show economically viable. They are Timmins Gold, Bravada Gold Corp, Golden Arrow Resources, Miranda Gold, Paramount Gold, Sand Gold, and Uranium Energy Corp. Well, I'm really pleased to have with me today for the first time Ted Butler, uh, and he's going to be joined with James Cook, who has been with us a a couple of different times on this show. Uh, But Ted is an independent silver analyst. Probably many of you are aware of Ted and his work uh, is very widely read, I believe, and especially having to do with silver. He is uh, an independent silver analyst who has been publishing unique precious metals commentaries on the internet since 1996. He offers a subscription service as well, uh, Uh, with once or twice weekly commentaries, including detailed analysis of the commitments of traders report, regulatory developments, supply-demand considerations, and topics of interest to investors in precious metals with an emphasis on silver. And Ted has been working very closely with uh, James Cook for the last number of years, and James has been around some, uh, I believe, some 40 years with his company, Investment Rarities. It is certainly one of the most reputable, uh, I would say, precious metals dealers out there these Days. I have used uh, his company myself, have purchased uh, gold and silver through James Cook, uh, uh, his company Investment Rarities, and you can avail yourself to that service at investmentrarities.com, just as it's investmentrarities.com, or you can call that uh, telephone number. It's 800 328 1860. 800 328 1860. And I believe that much of Ted's work uh, is also available uh, at Investment Rarities website, so you can go. There to read a lot of what Ted Butler has to say. Well, welcome both of you, uh, James Cook and Ted Butler, to turning hard times into good times.
3: Thank you. Uh, nice to be here.
2: Really good to have you, uh, uh, Ted. I know that we met up one time in Florida. I believe you live in Florida. You're down there in the uh, in the warm country, and James Cook is all the way up there near the North Pole in the Minnesota. But um, <laughs> you you guys couldn't be more opposite when it comes to your weather conditions. Although I believe uh, I believe James, uh, you go down to Florida in the in the winter, don't you? I sure do. Yeah, don't blame me for that. And uh, now the spring has sprung you're back up in, in Minnesota. Well, right. in, in any event, um, you may be different weather-wise for where you live, the climates, but you're not that different in terms of your views of the markets, I believe, and that's why you've been working so closely together for a while. Uh, but if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe both of you like gold and silver for sure as a way to preserve wealth. But it seems to me that you're both probably more bullish on silver than gold. Am I right about that? Perhaps, uh, Ted, you could go first on that?
3: Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an easy way of putting it. Currently, the, the setup on gold looks to be for, for higher prices, um, but I, I think that uh, silver is going to uh, greatly ac- accelerate the gold move uh, in, in percentage terms, and, and percentage terms is, is basically uh, uh, a key investment me- measurement.
2: Yeah, indeed. Well, certainly silver is a lot more volatile in both directions than gold, I believe, though, right?
3: Absolutely. Uh, we, we've seen that uh, that recently. Uh, it, it's kind of funny, Jay. Um, we accept it, and it's true that, that silver is a, uh, a lot more volatile uh, than gold, moving you know, much uh, faster on the way up and much faster on the way down. Um, what we don't give too much thought to, I believe, is uh, why is that so? And uh, my uh, pat answer to that is just just because a market is uh, smaller doesn't necessarily make it uh, more volatile. Uh, palladium, for instance, uh, is, is, a, is a smaller market uh, uh, investment market than silver, and yet uh, it's a lot less volatile than silver. I guess what I'm leading to is that the uh, the volatility in silver, the great volatility compared to gold. <laughs> not so much in terms of size, it's in terms of the mechanics and structure of the market. This uh, The silver market has, has become, over the years, a plaything for uh, large uh, banks and hedge funds and whatever, and I think that accounts for the great volatility.
2: Well, we certainly do want to talk to you, Ted, about the playthings and the playing around that the big banks are doing. That's one of the main reasons we want to talk to you today. Uh, but before we get to that, Jim, your, th- your thoughts on the relative attractiveness of silver to gold at this point. Time.
4: Well, you know, I listen to Ted uh, primarily get my input on silver from him and. uh Of course, he's more bullish now than I think uh, I've heard him for a long time. We go back all the way to 2001, and I have to say that uh, in that time period, Ted has uncovered time and again new aspects of the silver market that were heretofore unknown, and he continues to do that now. He is without doubt the ranking expert on the subject in the world. He knows silver. He comes up with things that we talk every morning when I'm on my way to work, and he comes up with things that sometimes I'm just amazed. So, you know... Uh, I have to tell the audience uh, that uh, you're listening to the personality that knows more on this subject than anybody else and has time and again discovered the things that everybody is talking about in Silver.
2: Yeah, well there's no doubt uh no doubt that Ted uh, you are considered one of the most if not the most uh premier authorities on this on this subject certainly uh from outside of the mainstream let's put it that way. So back in 2001 Jim you said you and Ted linked up. What was silver selling at back in those days?
4: It was right around four dollars, and Ted had said uh, this is the buying opportunity of a lifetime, and you know i when I first talked to him, I wasn't sure, and i we talked quite a bit, and you know I needed to have somebody write for my newsletter and After about six months uh he he convinced me that he was an honorable guy and knew what he was talking about, so we structured a little deal where I have the rights to uh reprint some of his newsletter material for my newsletter, mm-hmm. and of course that has served me well tremendously well and. He has a really big following among my customers and on the Internet as well.
2: Yeah. Before we go any further, Jim, tell our listeners, your newsletter, is that available? Is that a subscription letter or is that available? for? You
4: no, know, my my newsletter is available, yes, uh, uh, Market Update. And we're also happy to send you uh, one of our publications on silver. So if I could repeat that 800 number, 1-800-328-1860, we'll send you some of Ted's best stuff along with, uh, you know, a report that uh, gives the history of silver.
2: All right, terrific. Well, you know, we're looking at, at silver prices uh, in the low 20s uh, right now, uh, these days, after uh, we had a, a huge takedown recently in both gold and silver. I think, to me, this is one of the more foolish questions I ask on this show or that I answer when I'm asked, because I think when we talk about the price of silver or gold, we're talking about it in a unit of measure that is absolutely ridiculous. That being the U.S. dollar, because endless amounts of new dollars are being created as we speak—85 billion plus, according to Ron Paul the other day here in New York. Probably more like 100 billion a month of uh, quantitative easing is going on. But uh, we're looking, as I say, we—that's our only really point of reference—is the U.S. dollar. That's what we, we in the U.S. have to use. So, give us some sense of where these metal prices could go. I mean, is—is is that a reasonable question?
3: Um, sure. I mean, that's—that's that's the whole. Uh, reason for for looking at something in the first place is uh, from an investment point of view is how much money can I make on it? How how high can something that I buy go versus how low it might go? Um, since uh, silver has come down dramatically uh, in, uh, uh, recently, um, that actually improves uh, it's the best and most efficient way of improving the risk reward ratio the lower you go on something price wise obviously um, it can't go to below zero um, the lower you go you've obviously taking risk out every every dime every dollar that you go lower and if there are uh, strong fundamentals and justifications for it going up um, in the long run then uh, you're increasing the profit potential as well so uh, that's not the only reason to look at it but uh, when you look at a, a big price decline on the order of 20-30 um, percent in a, in a relatively short period of time will leave out the reasons as to why that took place but the mere fact that it took place uh, increases the the risk reward ratio, and when you're looking at investments, the risk reward ratio is the only thing that matters. So silver, by virtue of this, uh, rec- not just because of this recent decline, but but uh, primarily because of this recent decline, um, has a, a better risk reward ratio than it's had in, in a good number of years, and for that reason alone, should make someone sit up and take notice and and, and and inject enough interest to maybe pursue and uh the fundamentals the the pursue the real story, find out if the thing does have merit. I, I, I hold it out as a as a challenge. If you, sure. if you think that there might be an interest there, then uh I, I challenge you to, to take the time and that's all it is, it's just time. To, to sit down and, and study the facts and figures, and um, look at all competing uh, judgment factors as to as to what this guy says and that guy says, and form your own opinion. It's going to be your own money. You're going to be risking your own money. You're going to be keeping all the reward uh, if it turns out the way it should turn out, um, and you have control
2: over it. So study study the story. Well, here's a, the, I guess maybe what I was getting at in part to my question was uh, you want to make money you get you know we think in terms of dollars we have to but the dollar can be a wasted asset so Ted, I'm, I'm sure you must believe, over the long run, that uh, silver, like gold, is a way of preserving wealth, right? So, is right. the goal? Is a, so, is the goal here to maybe the goal is both to try to trade in and out, make some money that way, uh, and then you know into dollars, and then back into silver when it goes down in price, uh, or then maybe there's a place also for buying Jim Cook's products for the just simply to hold for the long term as a sheer uh, value play uh, wealth play if you will
3: well I think for the average I'm inclined to agree with the long term uh, buy and hold approach um uh, hold it until you think it no longer has the merit, uh, of the, what you went into it for originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, as time has, has gone on and perhaps as I've gotten older, I've kind of shied away from the, the trading aspect, but I'm, a, I'm a speculator at heart and mm-hmm. I'll, and I'll basically do it for myself on, 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 on speculative positions. But I think for the, for the average, the average guy, whatever, whoever that uh, description might fit, uh, the only real fighting chance that you have, um, for long-term success is to approach it on a long-term basis. Uh, The average guy um, trying to trade in and out of the markets, it's a a very difficult proposition. And when you start to realize, uh, unfortunately, how corrupt and and crooked the the silver market can be on a short-term basis, um, you're really stacking the odds against yourself um, if you try and compete with the, I hate to call them big boys, but if you're, if, if with, with the controlling interest in the silver market, if you're thinking and outsmart them, um, you know, you're, you're, you're probably gonna be disappointed. I think the best thing is, is, uh, is basically uh to, to put a position on to establish a position to buy some real silver basically uh-huh, uh-huh. and uh and forget about it for a while i mean it's a, it's a tough market not to pay attention to because it's so darn interesting but um the the real money is made has been made all along um on this buy and hold approach and i think that's the uh the the real uh, you know the, the the only real salvation and chance for success for, for someone who is not going to be spending 24 hours a day studying it.
2: Well, it certainly is true, Ted. If those uh, people, the, the few people that were out there buying uh, silver when you and Jim started your partnership at $4, I guess wrote it up as high as $50 recently? Was that the high this time around? It, it got very close to where it was in 1980 at that high, right? Correct. So, um, yeah, it seems to me that uh you know most people should be building a portfolio having some silver and gold at the heart of their portfolio just just as uh, a, a way of preserving some wealth but ted you you know you i think you're probably best known as a guy who has sort of ferreted out a lot of unsavory behavior, perhaps we might put it that way, and I think you were just hinting at that with respect to some of the major banks, the big uh, manipulators, if you will, the people that are able to go in and sort of control the markets in their favor, which is why you're suggesting average people might do well not to play that game. But um, who, who are these big banks that are involved in the bullion markets, and and are they different uh, operators uh, with respect to gold and silver?
3: Uh, no, they're generally the same. They're the big money center banks. Uh, uh, the, the one uh, big name that uh, I refer to constantly because it was revealed in uh, government uh, data and correspondence as the who the big trader was, uh, the big position holder at the time, just going back just a few years ago, back around uh, 2008 or so, uh, is J.P. Morgan, J.P. Morgan Chase. And I, I refer to them constantly, but uh, they may not be completely alone. I'd say they're the big ring ringleader. They're the biggest single participant uh, in the market based upon all the government data that uh, that I follow. Um, their name is not revealed in any of the data. That's that's one of the uh quirks of um, of the commitment of traders and bank participation report data, is that they don't um, reveal the names. Uh, you get the names in different way. In, in the case of J P Morgan. <laughs> Their name was revealed in, in uh, a Commodity Futures Trading Commission correspondence that uh, indicated that uh, they took over the Bear Stearns uh, big short positions uh, when Bear Stearns went bankrupt in uh, March of 2008. And uh, uh, J.P. Morgan, at the government uh, request, from what I understand, um, did take over Bear Stearns and inherited their big gold and silver short positions uh which were the biggest uh, around and have basically managed and maintained that same dominant position since then um so if you you're looking for a name the name is JP Morgan but if you wanted to throw in Bank of Nova Scotia Citibank uh, uh HSBC you wouldn't get an argument, but if you, the, the biggest single one, to me anyway, is J.P. Morgan, and uh, certainly uh, I try and make uh, the, the bank uh, uh, aware, send them all my uh, articles, which I'm referring to, them not in, in complimentary terms. And they've never come back and, and took issue with me identifying them as the as a big uh, concentrated short in the silver market. So I'm
2: I'm assuming it's correct. Yeah. Well, you're certainly not alone. There are a lot of other people out there that watch these markets that would I'm sure would agree with you. And J.P. Morgan, just in general, is by far the biggest derivative player in the world. I believe, perhaps. That's uh, a, absolutely uh, true. And, and so your, um, your precious metals markets would be a subset of of a. Probably a much bigger market in in dollar terms, anyway. But but in the trillions and trillions of dollars, if not tens or hundreds of trillions, it's just uh, numbers that are very difficult to comprehend as a, as a mere mortal. But um, what is the purpose, Ted? Do you think? I mean, is is are these guys operating just simply to make a lot of money? They can push the markets in one way after they've taken a position, and then trigger people out, and then go back and buy them on the long side. Is is it just, just-
3: <laughs> exactly what you described i mean it's uh, it's uh, uh, it, it it it's not much different than that at all by by dominance by control they have um uh, basically uh, can exert their will on the market and um yeah, excuse me if there is a big takedown in price like we've seen recently um you know you know that they have to be you know at at the heart of it somewhere along the line um one thing i, I i'd like to point out to you, Jay, is that we we we're accepting this uh, this is you know revealed in government data and other correspondence and it's kind of like gotten to be a um just a, you know just a common knowledge that uh, that the big banks and particularly jp morgan is, is 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 involved in this thing to a a controlling degree mm-hmm. um What's what's kind of crazy about it is that, uh, and it shows you how how crazy things can get if if you stop and step back from the situation a little bit and look at it, you see, and, and the the mere fact that you have a such a large money center bank basically uh, operating with government FDIC insurance for deposits et cetera and basically too big to fail. You know why we have a situation where a big bank is even trading or speculating in uh in commodities in silver or gold or any other commodities is absolutely crazy i mean I've always maintained that you know, these guys should be out you know making loans and the mortgages and commercial loans and doing taking deposits and functioning as a bank. Where did we get how did we get to the point where such big banks that should be involved in, in, in banking as we all think we know it, why are they trading and speculating in commodities? Why are they the dominant force? It's, oh. it's the most, it's, it, it's absolutely insane and you won't get good answers to this. Uh, Yeah, you'll get some stories, oh, we're doing it for clients, or we're doing it for the... then it's like, they they weren't the big leader in the COMEX, J.P. Morgan wasn't, until they took over Bear Stearns. And we didn't even know Bear Stearns was the big... Uh, short operator in the in, in the uh, in, in the silver or gold market until they, until basically they went bankrupt. So um, the whole situation is kind of just nutty to
4: yeah.
3: think that big banks are are doing this. Why yeah. why
2: are they involved? Absolutely, and of course Bear Stearns <laughs> was a was an investment bank, and before Glass Steagall, those operations were were kept separate, as you pointed out, Ted. FDIC insurance and so on and so forth. How in the world can it be? Uh, that uh, the, That these banks can get FDIC insurance when they 're going to engage in such I- incredibly risky activities, of course, you could argue it 's not risky for JP Morgan if they control the markets, but speculating should be risky. but you know i 'd like to ask uh, you Jim, uh, do, do you see something possibly bigger from a uh, from a policy perspective? You know, I had last week on this show I had Jonathan Macy, a Yale professor uh, of law. And he's written a book called The Death of Corporate Reputation. He's bemoaning the fact that the financial institutions have such a hugely bad reputation, and rightfully so. I think we would all three agree. Uh, And he's suggesting that we are back at the time uh, at least equally sinful as the time of the robber barons of the 1920s and suggests that these big banks need to definitely be broken apart. Any thoughts from, from you, Jim, on that?
3: I'm pretty much
4: of a free market guy, but, you know, if, a, if there's not a level playing field, then, uh, you know, you've got a problem. And it, it appears that, uh, you know, we have regulators in place. One thing that Ted's talked about a lot, uh, that the regulators aren't doing their job. It looked at one time they were moving in that direction with silver, but they kind of backed off, and it's really hard to tell why it may be that there's some possible government involvement that uh, – Preclude some acting against these big guys, and maybe when they, as Ted says, when they took over JP, when JP Morgan took over Bear Stearns' position, maybe they got a green light to do some things that otherwise uh, the regulators would preclude. So that's a possibility. One thing I just wanted to bring up too, the price drop in silver uh, exerted an enormous impact on the market. I guess everybody read about how gold and silver were. In great demand all around the world, because of uh, the improved price and here in the u s uh, the u s mint uh, pretty much ran out of silver coins that they strike the u s silver eagle, and we had a really tough time for a couple of weeks here getting things to sell and uh, same we didn't get, couldn't get stuff from Canada that we normally get couldn't get stuff from the u s mint uh, bags bars, everything was delayed and tight so to show you that uh, there is an enormous interest in silver building all the time because I think it's primarily coming from uh, concerns about what's going to happen with the dollar, but also because of the things that Ted talks about, the potential for this enormous gain. You know, that's one thing about, uh, Ted has talked about a possible shortage as a result of this, I guess you would have to call it a price manipulation, Mm -hmm. and a shortage that would lead to an industrial buying panic. We saw kind of a individual buying panic here for a while in the last few weeks, but uh, that could uh, slip over into the industrial users, which, you know, that's where the biggest uh, demand for silver is, and Ted's uh, postulated that that could possibly create a buying panic that would drive the price Really, to the
2: stratosphere. Sure. Well, I wanted to ask you, actually, uh, both of you, whether or not this wasn't more of an issue of, you know, I've heard, I've heard that the uh, the coins themselves were difficult, a, a minting issue, if you will, uh, an ability to mint coins fast enough with the limited capacity we have, or whether there is actually a shortage of silver. Now, certainly, uh, there shouldn't be any shortage of silver. There shouldn't be any shortage of any market product if a, if the market is free, if the price uh, of a commodity. Or a good or service is free to move, is free to move according to the market, right? I mean, you just get the price up to the point where you would clear the market.
4: Well, but, you're uh, correct. You're correct. I'm sorry for interrupting. Go ahead.
2: No, that's good. Go ahead. Finish I, it.
4: Well, I mean, you're right. It was not a, a shortage of silver. It was a shortage of the product that uh-huh. you know the, the, the blanks that go to make up the silver. But Ted's theme is that thousand ounce bars are the key. Uh, because that's what the industrial users rely on, and when there's if there's a shortage of thousand ounce bars, then uh, you know then then we're going to see it, it hit the fan.
2: You know, we've we've recently um, I can't remember which bank it was uh, failed to deliver in a European bank failed to deliver. Uh, I think it was ABN Amaral failed to deliver on a gold uh, on a d- gold delivery. Ted, have we seen um, failures to deliver in the silver market yet?
3: No, no. I mean, we haven't seen it yet. But I, the, the operative word is yet. Uh, basically, uh, you know, to cut to the chase, if the market is manipulated as I alleged, and it's manipulated to be lower in price than than higher,
5: mm-hmm. and you haven't
3: an, and you've created an artificial uh, low price, I would maintain at some point. According to the law of supply and demand, that you must have a shortage at some point. You mm-hmm. drive the price. If you drive a price too high, you're going to create a glut. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that we've seen that countless times in the sure. past. In fact, most time when people hear the word, <laughs> excuse me, manipulation, they think of you know the Hunt brothers to the upside in silver, or prices being very high, and that's how we traditionally know a manipulated market. Well. The, the fact of the matter is that manipulation can cut both ways. You can have a market that's priced either too high, okay, or you can have a market that's priced too low. Now, if a market's manipulated and the price is artificially low, as I allege to be the case in silver, uh, because of... Trading conditions and positions on the COMEX, um, the, the principal paper and electronic trading venue in New York. Well, at some point you have to have a shortage. You have, to, you have to drive dry up supply. You have to increase demand, which is what the law of supply and demand is all about. And at some point you will have a shortage. The, the key is uh, determining when you know that's going to hit. Now, what you've mentioned is that we haven't had a short a per se. Cut a clear cut shortage in wholesale quantities of silver yet, mm-hmm. but if the price is too low uh, it, it, it's going to come at some point, and the trick is basically to identify that and take advantage of it beforehand um, the The one thing I would say I was lamenting before the you know the big banks j p Morgan in particular control of the price, and it's it's what 's created their big short positions. Their former big short positions have basically caused the price to be too low okay well that's almost a, a past tense now i mean i don't want to um convey the the impression that uh, this is something that um, is basically going to continue forever we've basically seen the uh, manifestation of this low price in this in this recent price smash now. Um, it would be wrong to um, uh, to, to, to convey that uh, these guys are, are still uh, in position. Okay, where it benefits them to go down, they've driven the price down so low, and they've taken such advantage of it in buying back, as you suggested, uh, Jay, their their short positions, that we're at a, d- a different position right now. We're at mm-hmm. a position where um, the big guys, the big uh, banks and brokerages, including J.P. Morgan, um, are basically positioned better than they've ever been positioned in, in the 30 years that, uh, that I've followed it um, for an upside move. They've, mm-hmm. they've actually... Um, been able to convert most, if not all, of their big short positions by driving the price lower, scaring other people out of the market, uh, so that they could buy back their positions. They're, they're sitting in, in the catbird seat. I, I, I can't tell you the exact day that the bottom is going to be, be hit, but I can tell you via government data, the commitment of traders and bank participation report data that, uh, in, the, the, the these big banks have never been better positioned for an upside move than they are right now, both in gold and silver. Um, that's uh, you know, to think that they have a vested interest in continuing to drive it down, okay, would be uh, a mistake. I, I don't want to convey that at all. They already did it. We're we're talking at a time when. After the price has declined, okay. After all these positions have been unwound and un, uh, and reversed, and basically now for the, for, for the first time um, in in many many years, perhaps in some cases uh, the big the biggest most extreme position in history, these guys are sitting pretty. They're sitting pretty for a price rise. So they're long. You look, are you saying they're, so, long? they're so long? They're long. They're not. They're no longer short. Uh, to any measured you know, manner of speaking. These guys are ready for this, this thing to go to the upside, and that perhaps the biggest uh, endorsement of all. I'm, I'm saying it's a crooked market. It's been yes. a crooked market. It'll probably yeah. stay a crooked market. But now the crooks have got it configured, I think, just about done, okay, um, for this thing to rip to the upside.
2: Well, that so should be... A, I want
3: to make sure, I mean, I make sure I'm, I'm conveying that. Yeah. Go ahead, so Jim. Once
2: again,
4: they'll make billions.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So, so so here's the here's the issue. I mean, some people, like James Turk, who we've had on this show, allege that there's a bias to the downside for both gold and silver because of the powers that be, which certainly would include J.P. Morgan, tightly linked to government and its... Goldman Sachs and all these big guys that have all this influence on government want to make sure that the dollar is uh, remains uh, uh, credible in the minds and hearts of most people because they they are able to create dollars out of thin air much more easily than anybody can mine gold and silver from the mines. So, um, do, do you think maybe I, maybe this question is for you, Jim? Do you think there is do you think there's an inherent downside thrust like you know you'll have these 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 cycles in which we're poised now for an up. Cycle in gold and gold and silver, I think, but especially silver now. I believe that's that's right. Uh, that though, in fact, the the bias is to the downside overall, or at least to keep it from from getting out of control on the upside. You Jim? know.
4: What? It, it, only to the extent that Ted talk, talking about these big banks because they're in the driver's seat and they're the ones that are going to control the outcome. And, you know, we hear constantly here people call themselves experts on gold and silver explaining these moves this way or that way. Chinese did this or somebody in some foreign government did this. You know, it, it all centers on the comics. That's what I learned from Ted. It's all centers on the comics. That's, that's the price. Doesn't set in London. It doesn't set in Hong Kong. Doesn't set anywhere in Asia. It's all in New York. And and on the comics that's where everything takes place and so if that's the case then these guys are the ones uh, that are the rulers of the universe so to speak
2: yeah indeed gather that both of you think that right now is a good time for people to start to probably add to their positions in silver Uh, i can
4: say i can say personally that i am personally adding substantially to my positions in silver i mean you know I, I can't have a company that sells uh, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of silver and not believe in it. So, you know, I, I'm absolutely convinced. This is probably the, this is such a fabulous opportunity, you just can't get your arms around it. And I'm personally acting on that.
2: Now, we've got only about at most five minutes left here. Uh, so I, I want to ask you, Ted, if you can perhaps let our listeners know, give us the best, most succinct evidence that you can of price manipulation or manipulation of these markets by J.P. Morgan and others?
3: Well, perhaps the, the simplest thing is you have to go back, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's easily done on the Internet. You can go right to the
2: uh, either the CFTC
3: website, the government website, or you can go to, there's many services out there that plot the changes in the uh, commitment of traders, what these Short positions that the big banks and brokerages hold and, and hedge funds and you can you can just plot it when the, when the price is high, these guys are short up the yin yang mm-hmm. and when the price is low their they, they, shorts are, are, have come down to an incredibly low level okay? right now we're at such a low level in this short position that to me the proof is look these guys aren't that good that they they, 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 they control okay the future by, by their minds they control the future by their actions, and they basically have such big positions that they can determine, you know, where the price is. You sell enough stuff, you're going to stop a rally. You buy enough stuff, you're going to create a rally. Right now, they the proof is basically in what they've done all along. Uh, they're always heavily short at the tops, and they're always, you know, lightly, lightly short, or even a little bit long at the bottoms. Right now, they are one of their biggest, uh, least net short positions, probably a way to convert that as their most long position. Look, look, it's manipulated. I I grant you that. But in this particular case, you want to follow sometimes the manipulators. Right. They are basically positioned. For this thing to go up um, right. If we go down If we go down further And you never can rule that out I, I can almost guarantee in advance That the only reason That we will go lower Just like we have gone lower recently Is for these To allow these big banks And hedge funds To be able to buy more So even if you're off By a little bit and This is why it's important To, be, to, to approach this thing On a long term basis Even if you're off By a little bit In terms of time If we do come down It's going to become more bullish because the only reason we're going to come down if we come down from here is that these big banks like JP Morgan can buy more merchandise from people that are forced to sell it because they're on margin and they add a position whatever so it's it's almost it's just a matter of time these guys are positioned in such a way right now that uh, it looks the best I've ever seen this it. oh. uh, you know well, win lose or draw
2: well but you know this is really price manipulation if most of us tried this stuff we we'd go to jail. Uh, there, have been, there has been, as I think uh, Jim was alluding to earlier, uh, there has been some investigation with respect to price manipulation. It's against the law. What happened to that?
3: That's a good question. I mean, it's, it's, it has to do with uh, lobbying money. It's just the way business is done nowadays. Uh, the, the big manipulators in, in this particular case are the big contributors to election campaigns. They're the big lobbyists. They have a voice in Washington. The average guy doesn't have a voice in Washington, and I don't think there's anything you can do that's going to change that. All you can do is to hope to improve your own investment and personal situation by emulating these guys. I mean, these are bad guys. I mean, I'm not the, these these people should be in jail, as far as I'm concerned. But they're not going to go to jail. You or I can't put them in jail, no matter how guilty they may be. The people who have the power to put them in in jail are not doing it for a lot of obvious reasons, such as can't contributions and, and lobbying efforts. Um, so the next best thing, you, you you get disgusted, you just turn your back on everything, and you, and you go off and live in, live in the woods, or you try and put the system in play for yourself. Yeah. Basically, do me, what you guys are doing. Thing.
4: Let me add one thing. Ted has been in contact with the regulators. We almost weekly, monthly, basis constantly, they get his newsletter, he constantly writes them, he's had uh, thousands of people petition them. They're very aware of the accusations. You know, it's super puzzling why they haven't acted on them. They've even admitted one of the one of the regulators from the CFTC even admitted that there was a bad smell in silver so uh, there's some reason they're paralyzed that we can't get our arms around or well, we can't I, see we can suspect but we can't see
2: we can't prove exactly but I would just uh, I would just echo what Ted just said Jonathan Armcia a uh, professor of law at uh, at Yale uh, said last week on my show uh, he's written the book the Death of Corporate Reputation. he would agree with exactly the reasons that Ted just postulated and that is that uh, they that government is bought and paid for by the rich and powerful. And of course, when Nixon took us off the gold standard in 71, he made it possible for this to happen because now the people that are in charge of the printing presses have the uh, the dollars to, to play games with. And so as Ted, you said, this is a, a gigantic game, uh, game that these guys are playing. Ted, I just want to, there's one thing I'd like our listeners to be aware of. You had talked about what you do in your newsletter. I think part of what you do in your newsletter is help people understand how the deck is loaded. You know, is it time now to shorten up a little bit and and follow these big guys because i think that's basically what you're doing in a way uh is that am i accurate in saying that and if so yeah
3: you've hit it on the head you happen to be cool we this is the first time we've ever talked okay we did meet as i said about 10 years or so as you indicated that um look i wouldn't be able to say these things if we were if we hadn't just had this big price decline and if these big banks hadn't bought back so many short positions and put on so many but buying so much uh physical silver and gold <coughs> through the ETFs. Had they had they not just done this, I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't say it. Okay, mm-hmm. but they have done it and it's I can say without fear of contradiction, these guys, these bad guys are, are as best positioned as I've ever seen them for a very major rally okay um, both gold and silver in the, in the 30 years I've been following this and you know you just happen to be calling at that time uh, alright well, I,
2: I, I think the best thing to do then is to play ball with the big boys in a sense uh, but I think that's not possible unless though, you know you have to have time to follow this and Ted tell our listeners again uh, how they can where do they go to avail themselves to your service and sign up for your letter uh, it's
3: all it's an internet service www all one word butlerresearch.com uh, I offer it on a monthly basis, so it's no long-term commitment. Uh, basically you get two, two, at least two articles per week. And basically what I'm doing is just this, as this conversation, only in a little bit more detail, describing, educating, uh, describing what's going on on the market according to the, the way I see it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a service that basically designed to educate and anticipate and, and, and hold through what I foresee to be this, um, great unwinding on the upside, particularly and silver yeah. um and I, I think you called for, had a great time.
2: Excellent. Very good. And also I would tell our listeners that – just a, a second, Jim. I'd like to tell our listeners that they can also avail themselves a lot of Jim's uh, – to uh, Ted's uh, articles by going to investmentrarities.com. And I would also tell our listeners that uh, I have used investmentrarities.com to purchase gold and silver. And uh, I've known Jim for many, many years. He's as reputable a person, as honest, as anybody you'll ever find, certainly in this business, which has had its problems. Jim, you had one more thing – that you Well, I was to going same. to
4: give the toll-free number. If they want to get something in the mail right away, at 1-800-328-1860, and we'll shoot them out a packet, and they can familiarize themselves with Ted's work and uh, uh, go from there.
2: That's a great idea. That's 1-800-328-1860. And uh, please do it, folks. Do yourself and your family a favor. Follow the work of both of these gentlemen. Thank you very much, both of you, for being with me today, and i look forward to catching up with both of you again sometime in the not-too-distant future. Thank you very much. Folks, don't go away. I'll be right back. After the break, with some ideas, uh, some investment ideas from my own newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Don't go away. Be right back.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
5: Windfall profits happen frequently in gold exploration stocks, but the risk of losses are also common. Miranda Gold enhances prospects of shareholder gains by combining the intellectual capital of geologists, minefinders Ken Cunningham and Joe Herbert with other people's hard dollars in search for elephant-sized gold deposits in politically safe places like Nevada and Columbia. That keeps shareholder dilution to a minimum, so when discoveries are made, major gains are possible. For more, go to MirandaGold.com. Bravada Gold Corporation controls 18 exploration and development properties covering nearly 50 square miles in Nevada's well-known gold trends. Its flagship Wind Mountain Gold Silver Project is 100% owned and had an independent updated resource estimate and positive preliminary economic assessment in early 2012. This past September, Bravada signed an agreement with Argonaut Gold to further explore and develop Wind Mountain. For further information, please visit bravadagold.com.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times Into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, the discussion with James Cook and Ted Butler. I surely did. It it was... Uh Well, I'll tell you why I enjoyed it. I think that they have provided some optimism for this industry, an industry that's been beleaguered for the last year and a half, two years, actually two years. uh, If you go back to about uh, the second half of 2011, we peaked out in the gold share market. And we've seen a decline in the junior gold share market that rivals that. If I look at the Toronto... um, gold stock index we're back to where we were following 2008 almost almost uh, to that level in fact i think this is more painful than that decline was because that was over and done with fairly quickly. This has been like a Chinese water torture has gone on and on and on. And we're seeing these little junior mining companies that look cheap, they look good, they look extremely undervalued, get more so undervalued as time goes on. doesn't matter what you pick. doesn't matter how good the companies were. They've all come down in price. And, uh, well, you can either look at that as if uh, that's bad news or good news. If you've managed to preserve some cash, then this is a time when you should be able to really Uh, buy some things that should do very, very well in the future. Now, if you buy the notion that the establishment, the policymakers, have it all figured out that David Stockman's completely wrong that, that Ben Bernanke is the genius he claims to be, that he really understands why we went into a Great Depression in the 1930s, if you really buy the establishment pablum, then you might not want to go along with my line of thinking here but if you believe, as I do that things are not what they're cracked up to be economically, and I I could go on and on and talk about how I think that the economic statistics are absolutely bogus – well, maybe not absolutely bogus, but too bogus to a great degree – and how middle America is really hurting and how more and more Americans are hurting and the rich are getting richer to a degree we haven't seen since the 1930s. Uh, if you if you believe uh, basically that things are getting better and we're on the right track, then you might want to just stop listening to this show. Uh, I wish it were true because I could find a lot of other things to talk about besides gold mining. My background in banking, I did all kinds of things, lent money to different kinds of companies. I would rather be involved in activities, honestly, that would do things for people rather than digging gold out of the ground. But uh, but that's what the market is demanding, has been demanding, and I think with a great deal, I think, uh, with some manipulation. Now, who's really responsible for manipulating these markets? I mean, Ted Butler talked about it. I think Ted made... Uh, some good points. David Stockman talked about it. I mean, David Stockman's talking about the whole economy is manipulated, for goodness sakes. And anyway, this is a whole different topic. But one of the things that I found really interesting uh, in listening, and I think not only interesting, but encouraging and exciting, was when Ted Butler said that the big banks are now better positioned to make money on the long side of this market than he's seen in 30 years of following the silver and gold markets. And uh, and James Cook reiterated and, and seconded that viewpoint as well. Now, as to timing, uh, let's look at what Charles Nanner is saying. He put out something this morning, actually, Charles Nanner did, and is reiterating his uh, mid-June call for a bottom. His cycle work is suggesting very strongly that we're going to see a bottom uh, in the gold price, and and he's looking for something below $1,300 gold yet uh, at the bottom. Uh, but then by mid-June, we should start to see some sunshine coming in in this market. So add it all together, Ted says all the banks are they have the smallest short position they've had in 30 years. Uh, you could just tell that Ted and Jim are both very, very excited about this market. Now, we're looking at junior gold mining companies that have just been crucified. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. The, junior share market is in the gutter. It's in the toilet. I have never seen it worse. Well, not for long, certainly not since the bull market in gold started uh, back in about 2002. Uh, We saw that brief decline after Lehman Brothers. That was painful enough, but this has been a long time coming. But the good news is that there are so many companies out there that you can buy for next to nothing. Um, that have something very real going on for them uh, i 'll just mention a couple of the names that um, uh, I just mentioned a couple of the names that I have uh, been following and I wrote about recently. This was in my May sixteenth newsletter. Uh, I, I talked about it, I headed up that newsletter uh, with uh, the topic, an honest look at the U.S. E- uh, economy and gold. And just as I was saying before, uh, I do not buy the notion that everything is on the mend and we're doing well. Uh, in any event, if you'd care to check out my newsletter, the May 16th issue uh, goes into why I believe that we are in big, big trouble. And all of the money that's being pumped into the system right now is going into the stock market. Uh, to a great extent. Uh, and, but I think that's going to change. I think we're going to see uh, when doubts arise about the legitimacy uh, of this economy, I think you're going to see some some changes. And into the gold share market, I believe that we're very close to seeing that happen. Goldrich Mining Company, uh, selling at around seven or eight cents, OTC, trades in the U.S. over-the-counter, GRMC. What I like about this company is that they've got some production this year in placer mining. They tried to do it themselves and weren't successful, so they went out and got themselves a very successful placer mining partner, and they will get 50% of the production that comes out of this very substantial placer mining operation in Alaska. But the reason that I like this company longer term is because it will be able to use – it's uh, the cash flow from the placer mining operation to explore what management believes is one of the truly great exploration targets uh, left yet uh, on the face of the earth. And this is uh, in Alaska. Uh, so that's uh, a company with um, about a $10 million market cap uh, and 250,000-ounce uh, Historical resource, not 43-101. Gold Mines, you've heard me talk about it before. They've been a sponsor in this show. Uh, Dynacore earned $0.22, cents, selling at about $0.96 cents, the share price is today. They are on a growth path, a very, very rapid growth path uh, in Peru. They will produce, uh, by next year, over 100,000 ounces of gold uh... every metric that you care to look at for dynacore is improving and improving very dramatically Timmins gold which we talked about a sponsor of this show we'll have bruce breganolo coming on very soon to talk about Timmins. also growth prospects going growing very uh... very nicely in mexico where that company is operating uh... sandstorm gold still a favorite of mine sandstorm i like very much especially now it's down in price very substantially now it's around six dollars and seventy seven cents
1: Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery.
5: Paramount Gold is a U.S.-based exploration company with multi-million ounce advanced-stage gold and silver projects in the mining-friendly jurisdictions of Nevada and northern Mexico. Backed by a strategic investor and a strong balance sheet, an experienced management team has completed preliminary economic assessments on both projects, showing robust economics and immense potential for increasing ounces and mine life. For more information, go to ParamountGold.com or follow on Twitter, PZGnews.
1: Sandgold is an aggressive gold company operating in Manitoba, Canada, a top-ranked gold mining region. Sandgold's most recent gold discovery, the Shoreline Basalt Mining Unit, is already in production at more than 75,000 ounces per year. And Sandgold continues to pursue nearby targets within one of Manitoba's most prospective gold mining trends, the Rice Lake Gold Belt. Discover the potential at Sandgold. Trading symbol is SGRCF on the OTCQX and SGR on the Toronto Exchange. Visit our website at www.sandgold.ca.
2: Welcome back to turning hard times into good times. Well, uh, my apologies to you. We had a a bit of a technical difficulty there. Um, I was just uh, saying uh, that I believe uh, that now is one of the most opportune times to buy junior mining stocks uh, that I have seen in a long time. Ted Butler said... That he thinks that the big banks are positioned to make money on the long side of the gold and silver markets, more so than he's seen in 30 years. Both he and Ted, or uh, both Ted and uh, Jim uh, Cook, were very very excited, obviously. And then I was pr- talking about a number of companies. I think Sandstorm Gold was the one I was talking about last when we uh, had the technical problem. Pedicilia. Uh, Pediculea Resources is another company. PTQ is a symbol in Canada. Orvana Gold, ORV in Canada, ORVMF here uh, in the U.S., uh, Oceana Gold, another favorite OGC, O-C-A-N-F in the U.S. Cosigo Resources, really an interesting one. Symbol H-S-S-H-F in the United States. I could go on and on. I do go on and on about these companies in my weekly newsletter and my monthly newsletter. You should really uh, try to take advantage of it. Uh, go to uh, miningstocks.com or go to taylormedia.com and click on the newsletter and learn more about uh, about my letter, and I'm urging you to do that now, not so much to put Money in my pocket from subscriptions, but because I think we are at a period of time, a most opportune time to buy junior mining companies. Now I'm not, uh, I'm not guaranteeing anything. Please realize these are high risk, high, uh, high risk. Um, high reward propositions, uh, you should talk to your financial advisor before you go out and put money into these stocks. They are risky. gold mining is a very risky uh, any of these mining endeavors are very, very risky, but the risk uh, the returns are re- related to the risk, and so you can 't get high returns without taking on some risk. but my point is that I think right now we 're at that point in time. When there's going to be an awful lot of money made by people who have money to buy these things when nobody else wants them. And believe me, I think uh, it's hard to find a time uh, since I've been following this sector when there's been so much negativity with respect to uh, the gold mining sector, the mining sector in general, but especially the junior mining sector and. Um, and with the bull market going on for so many years now, uh, there are there have been a, a lot of there has been a lot of success in outlining uh, deposits and, and things are really uh, moving along quite well in many in many areas. So a lot of opportunity. Uh, I should mention with just a minute left to go next week, uh, we are going to be uh, titling our show: "Is the Gold Market Rigged?" You Can Bank on It. That's the title of next week's show. We're going to have Ed Griffin is going to be with me and Chris Powell as well. Uh, Ed Griffin will establish a motive for uh, these guys rigging the gold market. We've talked about it over and over again here. Chris Powell will provide smoking gun evidence of a gold market, a rigged gold market. Also joining me will be Amir Adnani with, I think, an exciting gold exploration company, Brazil uh, Resources. And also, uh, Amir heads up Uranium Energy Corporation which is the most recent new energy producer in the United States. That's all the time we do have for this week. I want to thank you for listening to the show, making the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you, Tacey Trump, my producer, and Matt Widener, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. Until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you.